Hello. Good morning. Uh, so I'm Josh. Uh, I was just about to say part of the leadership team here, but I definitely am not. Just I'm so used to being in Gothenburg. Uh, it's, it's great to be with you. Um, it was really nice meeting Phoebe and saying, oh, you knew here. And then I realized I've not been here for 15 years. So anyone who's kind of come in that time, it's like nice to see new faces. And it's lovely to see people who, yeah, like who are part of, yeah, like our lives and that we've known for like a long time now. It's scary how quickly time goes. It really is. Um, but it's just lovely seeing people, seeing what God is doing amongst you. Um, what I could talk loads about Gothenburg, and if you want to, we're going to hang about a bit afterwards, I guess. Um, if you want to ask any specific questions about Gothenburg, really happy to answer, um, answer those. Uh, but I thought it'd be good to open the Bibles. Um, what I'm going to be talking about today is encouragement, uh, the subject of encouragement. Uh, Murray Harris, a New Testament scholar, says this, that encouragement is one of the most important ministries in the church of the New Testament. Encouragement is one of the most important ministries in the church of the New Testament. I wonder what you think about that quote. One of my strongest childhood memories was when I was around the age of 13. I probably should have checked with Dad. He probably would have remembered exactly how old I was. And uh, I went to a very traditional English school. So you think that blazer, like... Smart trousers, smart shoes, shirt, tie, blazer, the whole nine yards. Um, and so this, I always think I've rebelled from my childhood because now I like wear as baggy clothes as possible, look like a mess all the time. Um, so I went to a very traditional school with a very traditional headmaster who his welcome uh, assembly message was, if you steal 2p, you're out you're expelled, you don't get another chance. Like, this was the level of sort of like, tr like strictness that Mr. Barnard had. It was incredibly uh, in intense. And uh, I was okay, I was an average guy, sort of like not making any massive noise, just getting on with life. Uh, but one day I got called into the headmaster's office and it would have been fine, except that was the day that I chose not to have my blazer with me at school. So I quickly, in panic, looked around at my mates. Matthew, brilliant, he's wearing his blazer. Matthew, do me a favour, lend me your blazer. He gave it to me and I went into the office and the conversation was going lovely. I, I can't remember anything, which means it was a good conversation up to that point. Basically, I wasn't scarred in any way. Uh, and Mr Barnard was talking to me about some stuff and then all of a sudden, there was a knock on his door that was like this completely traditional old school headmaster. I mean, think mahogany desk, think globe, probably filled with whiskey. Like that was kind of like traditional um, office that I was in. And then this knock on the door. And Mr. Barnard looks at me. He's not expecting anyone. Looks at the door and he walks over to the door. And he opens the door. And my mate Matthew, blazerless, is standing there and saying, Josh, you all right if I uh, get my blazer back? It was at that moment that the world stood still. Mr. Barnard swiveled like a ballerina and looked at me, eyes red, like steam coming out his ears. He didn't say anything to me. He marched over to the blackboard, got a white piece of chalk, and just in big letters wrote by, which is my surname, the liar. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And that became our nickname for the rest of my school time. 
by the liar. And sorry, it's a rather intense story for me. And all through my childhood, my, my, my teenage years, I, there's, you can see like there's something that changed in that moment. My nickname was By the Liar. And yeah, I guess my life after that for a number of years reflected that name, that nickname, By the Liar. Proverbs 18.21 says this, that the tongue has the power of life and death. It's very true. I wonder if you can remember a time when you needed encouragement and you didn't get it. I was a young boy listening to my principal, and instead of saying, oh, that was, that was a good idea, you know, like, oh, you could build on that, couldn't you? So that was a clever idea to, like, borrow someone else's blazer. Instead of saying that and building relationship, he absolutely broke me and knocked me down. If you've got your Bibles, let's open them to Acts chapter 4. Uh, I've, not got a, I've not got a PowerPoint, um, so it's good to have your Bible. It's always good to bring your Bible, make sure that I'm reading from the Bible. Uh, so it's always good, <laughs> Danette, not looking at anyone specific, um, to, 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 to follow along with me. So we're going to read from Acts chapter 4, verse 32, we'll start. Now, if you're good at something, uh, you often get given a nickname. Now, my nickname, apparently, was by the liar. But you know famous people, they often, if they're good at something, they get given a nickname. So Michael Jordan, Michael Air Jordan, or the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, or, or the greatest, Muhammad Ali, they, they get given nicknames that talks a little bit about who they are. They often describe an attribute of a person. Well, we're going to meet someone who gets given a nickname. Let's read from verse 32 of chapter 4. Now, the full number of those who believed, sorry, verse 32 of chapter 4, I said that right, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field to him that belonged to him and bought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then if we jump to Acts chapter 11... And we read from verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. A great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So here we have a couple of snapshots of, of, of the early church. And what you can say from what we've read is this is beautiful picture of the church. That no one is in need, that they had received this gospel doctrine, they had received the doctrine of grace, they had met with Jesus, and they were living out gospel culture. They were all displaying the grace of God with what they did with their possessions, with what they did with their, 
their lives. Paul, as he writes in Philippians 2, says this, Be like Christ. This beautiful scripture that you can read, the Philippians 2. It says, Be like Christ. Love one another. Be humble. Think, think of others. Look after others' needs as well as your own. Challenging words. All of this is gospel doctrine. And, and, and the church in Acts 11 is living out this gospel doctrine. They're, they're being so much like Christ that actually we read that Luke says, they, it's in Antioch, that's the first place that they get called Christians, like mini Christs. They're being like Christ. And it's absolutely beautiful. This gospel doctrine that they have received is creating gospel culture. And then Luke zooms in on this guy called Joseph, who we read in Acts chapter 11, is a good man full of the Holy Spirit. He's a good man full of the Holy Spirit. And often when at least I think about being filled with the Holy Spirit, I think about things like the miraculous and things like the prophetic. And when Jesus says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will be filled with power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's it. Dynamite is the word power. Dynamis is the Greek word, which we get our word dynamite from. You will see power. And absolutely, we believe in the miraculous. We believe in the prophetic. We want to encourage people, as we heard people coming up today singing in the spirit, and, and we want to encourage the prophetic. We want to encourage those things. But that's not all the Holy Spirit is about. We see that Barnabas or, or Joseph is a guy who's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he encourages. It's so important that we understand that, that jo Joseph is demonstrating this gospel culture by being an encourager. He's not necessarily the one at the front. He's the one in the background who is encouraging. And we see that throughout the book of Acts. There's, there's times that Joseph or Barnabas just pops up and he's encouraging. So he speaks well of Paul, this guy who has kind of been going around persecuting the church, who's, who's met Jesus, and people understandably are like, mm, don't know if we want him in our church. Barnabas says, no, he's a good guy. And later on in Antioch, we read actually, Barnabas is there, but he says, you know what? I want to I bring Paul along. He's got some really good stuff to teach. And so he goes and gets Paul. He says, listen to Paul. And as, as Mark and Paul have a, a, a disagreement, Barnabas says, no, no, I, I want to back up. With, I want to stand up for Mark. And he, he goes and takes Mark with him. So regularly throughout the book of Acts, we see Barnabas encouraging. And he was an encourager, which is part of this gospel culture that was created in the church in Antioch and the early church in Jerusalem, because God himself is an encouraging God. So in Romans 15.5, we read that the Father gives endurance and encouragement. 2 Thessalonians 2, we read that Jesus gives eternal encouragement. And John 15, we read that as, as Jesus is going and he's saying to his disciples, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send someone. He, he, he sends the parakletos, the helper, the encourager, the comforter. So the Godhead, Father, Son and Spirit is an encouraging God. And so Barnabas, this man filled with the Spirit, naturally becomes an encourager because he's filled with God. And God is an encouraging God. And we, as the children of God, live 
in the reality of having been drawn into the family through the gospel, through gospel doctrine, and we become a people who create gospel culture. We reflect our father, and our father is an encourager, like Joseph, like Barnabas. And so as, as he was an encourager, as he receives the spirit, we become people who encourage because we receive the spirit. We, we create a culture of encouragement. So what is encouragement? Well, very simply, if you're to say slowly, in courage, you put in courage. Encouragement looks to build people up. If you've got the King James Version with you, you'll find a slightly different word, comfort. And in fact, if you've got a Swedish Bible with you, I don't know if anyone's got a Swedish Bible on them, but you, you read the word trösta, and that means comfort. So there's, there's some translations that will translate um, this word paraclesis as comfort. And so you're putting in courage, you're building up, you're comforting, adding strength, making strong. That is what encouragement is. Basically, simply put, encouragement gets alongside people and says, keep going. In fact, Paul said to me on the, on the way in, he said, keep going, because I've got a jumper that says, I should have worn it, keep going on the back. But that's what encouragement is. And, and we need encouragement. We need that. We need people to get alongside us and say, keep going. We need people to comfort us, to put in strength, to make strong, because life is very, very difficult, as we know from this week and this, this shocking news of Rachel's untimely passing, we, life throws things at us that are just unfair, right? Things that are just, un, they just feel unjust. It's like, that's just, that's just not how it should go. And life throws things at us. And it is at times like this that we need to get around each other and comfort, put in strength, build up, get alongside it's so important we need Barnabases we need to be a Barnabas people life is tough we, uh, we had the privilege of seeing uh, our oldest son Freddie who is six so he starts school slightly later in, school, uh, in Sweden uh, and he was in his first Christmas play uh, just before Christmas and it's lovely he had his lines um, silly you, Christmas can't go on forever. Like, lovely, he, he, he did really well in front of all the parents. Um, and it's a really nice play. At the end, I realised something, which I probably should have realised a bit, a bit earlier, being a church leader. Jesus was nowhere to be seen in the play. Like, nowhere. Jesus in Sweden is not in Christmas. Th those two things do not go together. It's nothing about a baby, nothing about Jesus. So it's nice being in... Um, is it Main Street and seeing that there's like a nativity scene? That just doesn't happen in Sweden. Life is getting more and more anti-Christian. Culture is becoming more and more anti-Christian. It is that we could go on for a long time about all the all the realities of culture these days that talk so differently to biblical gospel culture. And the reality of that is that it means that life is going to be tough. There will be values that we hold to that are very different to what our kids are getting taught at school, to what we believe as we go into the workplace. And that is going to be very, very difficult. It really is. There's just no two ways about it. We, life is difficult. And is at moments 
where life is difficult, that we need each other. It's such a privilege. We read that we shouldn't stop meeting with one another. So that's a bit legalistic. No, it's not. God knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows that we need each other because we need to be encouraged by one another. We need to find comfort in one another. If we just do life on our own, if we step out of church, then what happens is we don't have a brother and sister to say, oh, come on, well done. You're doing well. Let's get, let's get along to a small group. Let's get along to prayer. How is life? I heard that happen. That was difficult. How's work at the moment? I'm praying for you. I want to encourage you. I want to put courage into you because, let's be honest, life is difficult. Living for Jesus requires and is going to continue requiring courage. And so we encourage one another. We comfort one another. And let's be honest, those are two things that the English culture aren't great at. One of the privileges of going into a different culture is taking a step back to the culture that I've been brought up in and seeing that we're not perfect. Actually, there's some things that, like the English culture, that then seep into church cult- culture. And comforting and encouraging are probably two things that the English culture aren't so good at. We're not good at showing emotion. We're not good at saying, I need comfort. I'm struggling. We're not good. We, we use the stiff upper lip. My, but by the way, my Swedish is terrible, and now my English is also terrible. So I'm not trying to learn a new language. I've forgotten English and not learned a new language. It's brilliant. Um, but it's the, sti- it's the classic stiff upper lip. We don't need com- I don't need comfort. I'm fine. I'll get on with it. It's just such an English cultural a thing that's just it, 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 we struggle with in England. Another thing is discouragement, sarcasm. It's something that we're brilliant at in England, and I will hold my hand up and say, I am brilliant at it. But it's like, is that gospel culture? The, the more you know someone, the better you know someone, the more you love them, the more you bring them down. That's an English cultural blind spot. It's not gospel culture. This is the opposite to what we're reading. Joseph was a guy who put in courage. He didn't knock down. He put in courage. And so we've got to just take a step back from our culture and say, is there any areas that we need work on? Is there any areas where we need the gospel just to infiltrate and guide us as we live life together? Just not gospel culture. And... There's enough challenge in the world. So it's so important that we become a Barnabas people who stand with each other. Don't knock each other down, but build each other up. Say, well done, keep on going. I love uh, the way the leaders in, in, in this story, when they're thinking about the church of Antioch, the leaders in Jerusalem are thinking, who best to spe- send to Antioch? And they choose Barnabas. Now, Antioch was a church. It was on the cutting edge. Okay, so the gospel is spreading. It's gone from Jerusalem. It's spreading out of just Jews and now Gentiles, people who aren't God's people, are being brought in to the story. And this, believe it or not, would have been incredibly intense. Okay, talk about intense church meetings. Jews and Gentiles, people who have been at war with each other, are suddenly brought in to the same fan- family. 
Peter himself needs this vision from God, we read about in Acts, to, 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 to show that actually, no, Gentiles are clean. Don't say what well, I've made clean. Don't say it's unclean, God says to Peter, the early church leader. So you can bet your bottom dollar that as, as people are seeing Jews and Gentiles together, as they're in church, it's going to be difficult. They weren't allowed to meet, talk, eat together. Suddenly, God's bringing these two people together in this fragile church plant setting in Antioch. Who best to send into a setting like that? Joseph, Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Barnabas's encouragement becomes a building block for what the church in Antioch is going to be. And if you've ever heard a preach from a guest speaker, there's big chances that they've spoken on the church in Antioch. It's like this world-changing church that everyone talks about. It's incredible, and it is a fantastic book, um, church to look at. But as Barnabas arrives there, there would have been challenges. Let's send Barnabas the encourager. And at the beginning, when things are small, when things are fragile, when you've got a 13-year-old boy in a headmaster's office, encouragement is so vital. We have somewhere, our 10-month-old baby Caleb, and he's just getting to the stage where he's starting to learn to walk. Now, if you've ever seen a baby learn to walk, you'll know it's not the most impressive thing. But everyone who is in the room who sees a baby makes their first step goes wild. Incredible encouragement. There's cheering, there's whooping. Way! And it's kind of like, it, is it even, it's like a slow fall rather than a first, I'll take it, I'll claim that, that's a step. Nine months, yes. Uh, if I was to walk like that, you kind of, you'd look at me and think, okay, I obviously struggle with my walking. But as babies, as small and fragile, we encourage them so that they can take their next step and their next step and their next step so they can become proficient walkers and then runners and then jumpers and then footballers or whatever they're going to go on to be. But encouraging in those fragile first steps is absolutely vital. And as Barnabas goes into this small, fragile church, he encourages as they make those kind of like baby steps, Jew and Gentile, together. And we know the rest of the story. There's a quote that says this, a child needs encouragement like a plant needs water. And if you've ever like, looked after plants, you know that water's kind of important. Yeah, and it's the same with encouragement for children as they're starting to learn. And I want to take that further. I believe King's Church Cockermouth, as you go forward this year, you need to be a people who encourage one another. That this can be a safe place that you can come to. And it, wherever it is in a small group, as you go out on the fells together, which are amazing, wherever you are together, that you are people who, just like drinking water, encourage one another in faith, in what God is calling you into. And let's be honest, we are taking baby steps. We're not impressive. We aren't. I think it's important that we understand that. Sometimes I think about Goodfirst, Gothenburg, I think, oh, God's done loads of amazing things, which he has. And then I get in the car, and within about 10 seconds, I have driven past 1,000 people and seen like 10,000 people in a day. And suddenly I realize we are very, very fragile. We are very, very small. We believe in a big God who can do big things, but we are fragile. And so as we take our little baby steps, so important there are people who encourage one another, who put courage in. 
And as we take those steps, even if we make mistakes, even if we, take, if we, if we fall, let's encourage one another. I want to leave with two kind of like practical things. The first thing when we encourage is, I think it's really important to be specific. Not just throw out a blanket, I encourage you. Great. Thank you. That's got a lot to work on there. Barnabas encourages them to remain faithful to the Lord. This is what I encourage you to, remain faithful to the Lord. Hey, that's a great encouragement for us, right? Let's remain faithful to the Lord. It's wonderful seeing so many people who are remaining faithful to the Lord, who have been here week after week, who are building church, who are remaining faithful to the Lord. I encourage you, hear from Barnabas, remain faithful to the Lord. And so as we encourage, let's be specific. That was great, what you said. The way you're dealing with your kids is brilliant. You're just really nice and patient and kind, and that's impressive. You know, think about ways to be specific when we encourage. And the second thing, which I think is important that we understand, is success. Cultural success is very different to biblical success. Success, I think, in Scripture is about being faithful. It's about hearing God and doing what you believe God is calling you to do. Not necessarily getting everything right. Success in the world says, well, you kind of got 100% right. Yeah, you got an A in your grade or whatever. That's world success. I want to say that biblical success is being a people who are faithful, not necessarily getting things right, not necessarily being able to walk perfectly. If, if we are waiting to prophesy on a Sunday morning for the perfect word, you're going to be waiting a long time before you step out, I can promise you. If you're waiting for the perfect opportunity to tell your friend at work the gospel, you're going to be waiting for a long... They're not going to sit down and say, well, tell me all about Jesus now, please. If you're going to be waiting for all these perfect moments until we have it right to step out, we are going to be waiting forever. It's so important that we, we, we step out and that we have courage to step out even if we make mistakes. Being willing to make mistakes, being willing to, like a child does, to fall over because as we fall, we learn to stand. Be faithful to conviction. Be faithful to the voice of God. Would we have been unsuccessful as a church plant in Gothenburg if we'd have gone over as a group of five, correct, from Cockermouth, a couple more, there's seven of us all together. Would we have been success, unsuccessful if we'd have gone there and come back a few years later having not been able to plant a church? I don't think so. From worldly standards, yeah, probably. Oh, you didn't become a church. You went over to plant a church. You didn't become a church. Fail. I think biblically we'd have been completely successful because we heard God and we were obedient to his call and we stepped out and we tried our best and we said, God, we are here. What are you going to do? But we did what he called us to do. And so it's so important that we understand success through the, la- through, the, through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of scripture. So what is God calling you to? This year is the first Sunday back. What's kind of God speaking to you about at the moment? What, what's holding you back from that? Is it waiting for that 
you know, that perfect moment, that perfect word. Friends, it's so important that we just, we go for it. We step out. Go for it. Be faithful to what God is calling you to. And what is God calling us to as a church? I want to leave you with this. Encourage one another. Get alongside one another. Comfort one another. Build up one another. And this shouldn't just be in the church. I want to encourage you, give you a bit of homework if that's okay. As we step out, as we go away this week, why don't we find other people in our workplace or wherever you find yourself to encourage? That was a great idea. That was a good decision. We can let our gospel culture affect, affect the places where we work. God has placed you in this town to love this town. He's placed each one of us in this town for a reason, to love it, to be his uh, conduits of love. And one amazing way to do that is just to, say, just to say, well done. I encourage you for this reason. Be specific, as I said. 20 years ago, uh, Mr. Barnard, my principal, had the opportunity to build up a young, fragile boy. He broke him down. That's what he did. 2,000 years ago, Barnabas, he had the opportunity to build up a young, fragile church. He did. And as he did that, he affected the spread of the gospel that we are part of through being a person filled with the Spirit who encouraged. Can we stand, please? I think uh, I can invite the band back as well, maybe, if that's okay. Just as, as we finish, I think it'd be great. We encourage one another, and we're also encouraged in Jesus. As we sing those songs, as we sing those truths to one another, we're encouraged in who Jesus is, in what Jesus has done for us, in what is waiting for us. And I think it'd just be great to sing one final song and to be encouraged by Jesus. And as we... Um, heard in, in John 15 as he says I'm going I'm going to send my paracletos I'm going to send my helper my comforter I'm going to send the Holy Spirit it's, it's better that I go so you can receive the spirits so that you can receive the comforter so I just want to invite the Holy Spirit again just to, just to as we as we worship uh, just to comfort just to help just to encourage us as we just spend these few minutes together just fixing our eyes upon Jesus so Lord Jesus, you can hold your hands. It's a good way you don't have to do that. It's a good way just to say, look, I'm, <laughs> I want comfort. I want help. Holy Spirit here. I'm waiting for your gift. And Holy Spirit, we just ask, Lord, will you so fill us? God, we thank you, Jesus, that you sent the Holy Spirit to help, to comfort, to bring encouragement to us. And Lord, right now, we just say that we need comfort. So Holy Spirit, just fall upon us. We take you at your word, Jesus, and we just want to receive the Holy Spirit afresh. We want to receive comfort afresh. We want to receive encouragement afresh, Lord. We're so aware of the challenges in each of our lives, the histories that we have, the future that we're going to have. Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, comfort us. Come amongst us, Lord. May Holy Spirit, may you remind us of who we are. May you remind us of who Jesus is. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and be amongst us. Yeah.